0: For a long time I was confused over the fact that in my own life and the lives of others there was a continual sense of defeat and failure. I prayed for the sick. I knew that the Bible was true. I searched diligently for the leakage. One day I saw Hebrews 4.14, that we are to hold fast to our confession, profession in the authorized version. In the third chapter of Hebrews I discovered that Christianity is called the Great Confession. I ask myself, what confession am I to hold fast? I am to hold fast to my confession of the absolute integrity of the Bible. I'm to hold fast to the confession of the redemptive work of Christ. I'm to hold fast to my confession of the new creation of receiving the life and nature of God. I'm to hold fast to the confession that God is the strength of my life. I am to hold fast to the confession that surely he hath borne my sicknesses, and carried my diseases, and that by his stripes I am healed. I found it very difficult to hold fast to the confession of perfect healing when I had pain in my body. I made the discovery that I had been making two confessions. I had been confessing the absolute truthfulness of the word of God, and at the same time I was making a confession that I was not healed. If you had said, do you believe that by his stripes you are healed? I would have said, yes, sir, I do. But in the next breath, I would have said, but the pain is still there. The second confession nullified the first. In reality, I had two confessions. First, a confession of my perfect healing and redemption in Christ. And second, that the redemption and healing was not a fact. Then came the great battle to gain the mastery over my confession until I learned to have but one confession. If I confess that my God shall supply every need of mine, I must not nullify that confession by saying, yes, God supplies my needs, but I cannot pay my rent. I cannot pay the telephone bill. Faith holds fast to the confession of the word. Sense knowledge holds fast to the confession of physical evidences. If I accept physical evidence over against the Word of God, I nullify the Word as far as I'm concerned. But I hold fast to my confession that God's Word is true, that by His stripes I am healed, that my God does supply my needs. I hold fast to that confession in the face of apparent contradictions, and He is bound to make good. Many believers have failed when things have become difficult because they lost their confession. While the sun was shining brightly, their confessions were vigorous, strong, and clear. But when the storms came, the testings came, and the adversary was taking advantage of them, they gave up their testimony. Every time that you confess disease and weakness and failure, you magnify the adversary above the Father, and you destroy your own confidence in the Word. You're to hold fast to your confession in the face of apparent defeat. You are to study the word until you know what your rights are, and then hold fast to them. Some make confessions without any foundations. Then the adversary whips and beats them badly. You are to find out what your rights are. For instance, you know what he says. Surely he hath borne our sicknesses and carried our diseases. Now you can make your confession here. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. There you can make that confession. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Here's a confession you can make. Stand by your confession through thick and thin, through good report and evil. You know that your confession is according to the word. Revelation 12, 11, and they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. Few Christians have recognized the place that confession holds in the scheme of things. Whenever the word confession is used, we instinctively think of confessing sin, weakness and failure. That's the negative side of this question. Christianity is called the great confession. Confessing is affirming something that we believe. It's testifying of something that we know. It's witnessing for a proof that we have embraced. Confession holds a very large place in Christianity. Jesus planned that this great life and love should be given to the world through testimony. That is through the confession of our lips. Testifiers and witnesses and confessors have been the great leaders in the revolutionary life that Jesus gave to the world. The major problem that we face then is to know what we are to confess. Our confession centers around several things. First, what God in Christ has wrought for us. Second, what God through the Word and the Spirit has wrought in us. Third, what we are to the Father in Christ. And last of all, what God can do through us or what the Word will do in our lips. You cannot confess or witness about the things that you do not know. It's what you've seen and heard that counts in the courtroom. It's what you know personally about Jesus Christ and about what you are in Christ that counts. How few of us dare to confess to the world what the Word declares that we are in Christ. Take this scripture. Wherefore, if any man is in Christ, there is a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 What a revolutionary thing it would be for the church to make a confession like that. There are not just forgiven sinners. Not poor, weak, staggering, sinning church members. They are new creations created in Christ Jesus with the life of God, the nature of God, and the ability of God in them. What a stir it would make in the modern church for you to confess that you are absolutely redeemed. Ephesians 1, verses 7 and 8. In whom we have our redemption through his blood, the remission of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. That would mean that Satan's dominion has been broken, that he lost his dominion over your life the moment you became a new creation. You received a new Lord, Jesus Christ, to reign over you. Satan's dominion ended and Jesus' dominion began. Disease and sickness can no longer lord it over you, The old habits can no longer lord it over you. You are a new creation created in Christ. What a stir there would be if this scripture became a reality. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. If God be for us, who can be against us? That's the most revolutionary thing that's ever been taught. That is your confession as you stand before the world. God is with me this morning. 1 John four, Ye are of God, my little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You fearlessly say, God is in me now. The master of creation is in me. What a confession that is. You face life fearlessly, you know now that greater is he that is in you than all the forces that can be arrayed against you. You're facing bills you cannot pay. You're facing enemies that you have no ability to conquer, and yet you face them fearlessly. You say with triumph, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. I am filled with joy and victory because God has taken me over. He is fighting my battles. I'm not afraid of circumstances because I can do all things in him who strengthens me. He is not only my strength, but he is at my right hand. He is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? He throws light upon life's problems so that I know I can act intelligently. He is my salvation, my deliverance from every trap the enemy sets for me, from every snare in which he would enslave me. God is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I'm not afraid of anything. I have no fear because this God of omnipotence is on my side. This is my continual confession. I confess that I have redemption that God planned and wrought in Christ. I am a new creation of which he himself is the author and the finisher. I have a righteousness that permits me to stand in his presence as though sin had never been. I not only have righteousness reckoned to me but i have righteousness imparted to me in the new nature that i have received from him i have received his nature his life and in this life and nature is the life of god this makes me righteous even as he is righteous this is my confession this gives me boldness in prayer this builds faith this makes my way sure i am no longer hemmed in by limitations because I am united with the Limitless One. He is the vine, and I am the branch. As a branch, I bear his fruit, because the vine is imparting to me the fullness of his life. I know the reality of this, because it has become a part of my very being. I know I love, because he has shed abroad his love in my heart, through the Holy Spirit. And I know that his nature in me is love. His lovability has gained the mastery, for now I can love in whatever circumstances I am placed. I can say with joy, sin shall not have dominion over me. It can no longer lord itself over me. Circumstances can no longer hold me in bondage and hinder my usefulness in the world. I have not only God's life in me and this great spirit who raised up Jesus from the dead in me, but I have the use of Jesus' name. He has given to me a legal right to use it. My confession is that whatever I ask of the Father in his name, he gives to me. He has given me the power of attorney. I am using that power to help men. I am taking Jesus' place now. He's working his own work through me. He's living his own life in me. Jesus said, in my name ye shall cast out demons. I am exercising my rights. He said, In my name you shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. My hands become the medium through which his life pours. I am living the abundant life. I know my words are his words. His words broke the power of death, of demons, and healed the sick. They do the same things in my lips. This is my confession. This is my heart expressing itself through words in my lips. Confession is faith's way of expressing itself. Faith, like love, is only revealed in action and word. There is no faith without confession. Faith grows with your confession. Confession does several things to the believer. It locates him. It fixes the landmarks of his life. It mightily affects his spirit, the inner man, when he makes his declaration. For instance, there is Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus as Lord... And shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There are two confessions involved here. First, a confession of the lordship of Jesus. And second, that he has become the righteousness of God and is saved. These are positive confessions. The reason that the majority of Christians, though they are earnest, yet they are weak, is because they have never dared to make a confession of what they are in Christ. What they must do is to find what they are in the mind of the Father, how he looks upon them, and then confess it. This can be found in the epistles. When you find this, you boldly make your confession of what the word declares you are in Christ. As you do this, your faith will abound. The reason your faith is throttled and held in bondage is because you've never dared to confess what God says you are. Remember that faith never grows beyond your confession. Your daily confession of what the Father is to you, what Jesus is now doing for you at the right hand of the Father, and what the mighty Holy Spirit is doing in you will build a positive, solid faith life. You will not be afraid of any circumstance, of any disease or of any condition. You will fearlessly face life, a conqueror. After a while, you will find that Romans 8.37 is true. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. You will never be a conqueror until you confess it. A wrong confession is the confession of defeat, failure, and of the supremacy of Satan. Talking about your combat with the devil, How he has hindered you and how he is holding you in bondage and keeping you sick is a confession of defeat. It's a wrong confession. It glorifies your adversary. It's an unconscious declaration that your father God is a failure. Most of the confessions that we hear today glorify the devil. It destroys faith and holds you in bondage. The confession of your lips that has grown out of faith in your heart will absolutely defeat the adversary in every combat. The confession of Satan's ability to hinder you and keep you from success gives Satan dominion over you and fills you with fear and weakness. But if you boldly confess your father's care and protection and declare that he that is in you is greater than any force around you, you will rise above Satanic influence. Every time you confess your doubts and fears, you confess your weakness and your disease, you're openly confessing that the word of God is not true and that God has failed to make it good. He declares that with his stripes you were healed, and surely he hath borne our sicknesses and carries our diseases. Instead of confessing that he has borne my diseases and put them away, I confess that I still have them. I take the testimony of my senses instead of the testimony of the word of God. As long as I hold fast to my confession of weakness, sickness, and pain, I will still have them. I may search for years for some man of God to pray the prayer of faith for me, and it will be of no avail because my unbelief destroys the effect of his faith. The believer who is always confessing his sins and his weaknesses is building weakness Failure in sin into his consciousness. If we do sin, when we confess it, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.9 When that confession has been made, we never refer to it again. It is not past history because history can be remembered. This is as though it had never been. We should never remind ourselves or the Lord of our failings or of our past mistakes. They are not. If you confess anything, confess that you stand complete in Him. That what God has said in regard to your mistakes and blunders is absolutely true. We should never confess our sins to people. We may have to ask forgiveness of them, but then we are to forget it. Never tell anyone about your weakness or about your past blunders and failures. They will not forget them and sometime will remind you of them. If you tell it to anyone... Tell it to the Lord and then forget it. You confess that God is the Lord of your life, that He is the Lord over disease, sickness, and Satan. You hold fast to your confession of Jesus' absolute Lordship over everything that would keep you in bondage or hinder you from enjoying the finished work of Christ. In the face of every need, you confess that the Lord is your shepherd. You do not want, it is always in the present tense. He is your supply. He is your health, your strength. He is the strength of your life. In whom will you be afraid? Remember that we never realize beyond our confession. If you dare confess healing on the ground of the word, then there is no sickness for you. In the face of pain and an open sore, you confess that with his strap you are healed and you hold fast to your confession, never wavering, knowing that no word of God is void of power. The word power means ability. Ability to make good. That the word will heal you if you continually confess it. Your body will respond to your mind and your spirit will gain the lordship over your body and mind. Your body will obey your confession. He said his word and healed them. Psalm 107 verse 20. Jesus was that word. Now that name of Jesus and the words of Jesus become your healing. Confession is confirming the word of God. It's a confession of my confidence in what God has spoken. Here are several confessions every believer should make. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus as Lord, and shalt believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. We confess the absolute lordship of Jesus and the absolute righteousness that is imparted to us in our redemption. We dare to confess before the world and before the throne of God that Jesus is now our Lord. And that we have received salvation and become the righteousness of God in him. We confess that we are new creations of which Jesus is the head and the Lord. The word has taken Jesus' place in our lives. We are to obey the word as we would obey Jesus if he stood in our presence. A second confession is found in 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your anxiety upon him because he careth for you. We confess that we no longer have cares, anxieties, and burdens. We can never have prostration. We can never be unnerved and unfit for life's work. Our minds are complete and clear. Our spirits are free. Our testimony has the unction of the Spirit upon it because he bears every burden, carries every load, and meets every need. A third confession is, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I do not want for money. I do not want for health or rest. I do not want for strength. I do not want for anything. He is all that I need. This is a living reality. What a life is mine. What a sense of security, of power, and of victory. You're not afraid to take your stand on Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply every need of mine. You loudly make your fourth confession that Isaiah 53, 3-5 through is true. Every disease, every weakness, and every infirmity was laid on Jesus Christ, and you are free of them. Just as He bore your sin, He bore your disease. You stand complete in Him, free from the burden, the power, the pain, and the effect of disease. This confession gives you a healthy body, a clear mind, and a conquering spirit. Your fifth confession is that 1 Corinthians 1.30 is absolutely true. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who was made unto us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Christ has been made all these things unto you. He is your wisdom. You don't have to ask for righteousness because you have become the righteousness of God in him. You don't have to ask him to sanctify you because he is your sanctification. You do not have to pray for redemption because you are redeemed. He is your redemption. What a confession to make before the world. Hebrews 4.14, Let us hold fast our confession. We have found in a measure what our confession is, but there's a great deal more to it. Your success and usefulness in the world is going to be measured by your confession and by the tenacity with which you hold fast to that confession under all circumstances or the opinion of men. You will never yield to fear or listen to the voice of the senses. You stand by your confession knowing that God cannot fail you. There is a grave danger of a dual confession. You confess his faithfulness, the absolute faithfulness of his word. Yet at the same time, you confess your sickness. You confess your weakness, your lack of money, your lack of ability. You've confessed that he was your supply, that he was your healer. You have confessed that you were healed by his stripes. Now you talk about your lack of ability to do this or that because of your sickness. You cannot do the housework or go about your business because you're not able to do it. Yet you've made your confession that he was the strength of your life and that with his stripes you were healed. Your confession of sickness and disease destroys your faith. You are not holding fast to the confession of what you are in Christ or what he is to you. This is one of the most dangerous of all confessions. You will find that you have been so carefully trained in the confession of wrong, of failure, of weakness, of sin, of sickness, and of want, that it'll take a great deal of discipline through the word to cure you of that habit. Now, you make your confession and stand by it.
1: What I confess, I possess. I confess Jesus as my Lord, I possess salvation. I confess by His stripes I am healed, I possess healing. I confess the Son has made me free, I possess absolute freedom. I confess the love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. I possess the ability to love everyone. I confess the righteous are bold as a lion. I possess lion-hearted boldness in spiritual warfare. I confess He will never leave me nor forsake me. I possess the presence of God each step I take. I confess I am the redeemed of the Lord. I possess redemption benefits every day. I confess the anointing of the Holy One abideth in me. I possess yoke-destroying results by this anointing. I confess in the name of Jesus I can cast out devils. I possess dynamic deliverances as a devil master. I confess I lay my hands on the sick and they shall recover. I possess positive healings for the oppressed. I confess I am a branch of the living vine. I possess vine life wherever I go. I confess I am the righteousness of God in Christ I possess the ability to stand freely in God's holy presence and in Satan's presence as a victor. I confess I am a temple of the living God. I possess God dwelling in me and walking in me. I confess my God shall supply all my need. I possess the supply of every need. Few of us realize
0: that our confession imprisons us. The right kind of confession will set us free. It is not only our thinking, it's our words, our conversation that builds power or weakness into us. Our words are the coins in the kingdom of faith. Our words snare us and hold us in captivity, or they set us free and become powerful in the lives of others. It is what we confess with our lips that really dominates our inner being. We unconsciously confess what we believe. If we talk sickness, it's because we believe in sickness. If we talk weakness and failure, it's because we believe in weakness and failure. It's surprising what faith people have in wrong things. They firmly believe in cancer, ulcers of the stomach, tuberculosis, and other incurable diseases. Their faith in that disease rises to the point where it utterly dominates them, rules them. They become absolute slaves. They get the habit of confessing their weakness and Their confession adds to the strength of their weakness. They confess their lack of faith, and they are filled with doubts. They confess their fear, and they become more fearful. They confess their fear of disease, and the disease grows under the confession. They confess their lack, and they build up a sense of lack which gains the supremacy in their lives. When we realize that we will never rise above our confession, we're getting to the place where God can really begin to use us. You confess that by his stripes you are healed. Hold fast to your confession, and no disease can stand before you. Whether we realize it or not, we are sowing words just as Jesus said in Luke 8, 11. The seed is the word of God. The sower went forth to sow, and the seed he was sowing was the word of God. This is the seed we should sow. Others are sowing sense-knowledge seeds of fear and doubt. It's when we confess the word of God declare with emphasis that by his stripes I am healed or my God supplies every need of mine and hold fast to our confession that we see our deliverance. Our words beget faith or doubt in others. Revelation 12:11 declares, and they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. They overcame him with the word of God that was in their testimony. They conquered the devil with words. Most of the sick that Jesus healed during his ministry were healed with words. God created the universe with words, faith-filled words. Jesus said, thy faith has made thee whole. He said to dead Lazarus, come forth. His words raised the dead. Satan is overcome by words, he is whipped by words. Our lips become the means of transportation of God's deliverance from heaven to man's need here on earth. We use God's Word. We whisper, In Jesus' name. Demon, come out of Him. Jesus said, In my name ye shall cast out demons. In my name ye shall lay hands on the sick, and they
1: shall recover. All with words. Confession precedes possession. I confess for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I possess no so salvation, for I have called upon the name of the Lord. I confess the Lord shall preserve me from all evil. I possess preservation from all forms of evil. I confess blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I possess the assurance... I shall see God, for the blood of Jesus has made me pure in heart. I confess the Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. I possess daily strength and an abundance of peace. I confess blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. I possess a life daily loaded with the benefits of the Lord. I confess I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life, said Jesus. I possess light upon life's pathway, for I am following the Lord Jesus Christ. I confess, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. I possess all grace, abounding grace, which means saving grace, healing grace, Baptizing grace, yes, all-sufficient grace. I confess, for with God nothing shall be impossible. I possess impossibilities becoming realities, for I am linked with God by divine birth. I confess I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. I possess the spirit outpoured upon my life continually. I confess as far as the east is from the west. So far hath he removed our transgressions from us. I possess the assurance that my sins are removed far from me. Hallelujah.
0: Jesus evidently walked in the light of his confession. He was what he confessed. It's strange we never knew until recently that faith follows in the footprints of our confession. Our confession builds the road over which faith hauls its mighty cargo. You're going to learn that you never rise above your confession. You will never enjoy the riches of grace until you confess them. You're going to find that your confession of what he is, what he has done for you, and what you are in him always precedes his revelation of himself. Salvation follows confession. For if thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus is Lord... And the same is true in receiving the Holy Spirit. Our healing follows our confession. Some people have to hold fast to their confession in the face of apparent defeat. They refuse to give in to sense evidences. You're going to learn the danger of a dual confession. Confessing one moment the absolute integrity of the word, but the next moment confessing that he has not made it good in your case. Your confession is the thing that challenges the world. It's the thing that causes them to venture in the faith life. Christianity is the great confession. It heads up in Jesus in his confession, and next in us, in our bold declaration of the
1: utter truthfulness of the living word. I possess what I confess, for with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I possess continual guidance, for I confess, the Lord shall guide thee continually. I possess eternal life, for I confess the words of Jesus, my sheep hear my voice, and I give them eternal life. I possess the peace of God, for I confess, the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. I possess freedom from fear, for I confess, I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not. I possess bountiful blessings financially, for I confess, he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. I possess supernatural help in every situation, for I confess, my help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. I possess good, for I confess, acquaint now thyself with him, and be at peace." Thereby good shall come unto thee. I possess peace with my enemies, for I confess when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. I possess the ability to be a positive blessing, for I confess so will I save you, and ye shall be a blessing. I possess wholesome sound sleep at night, for I confess he giveth his beloved sleep. I possess the assurance my labor in the Lord is fruitful, for I confess for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I possess as a faith man abounding blessings, for I confess a faithful man shall abound with blessings. I possess strength for my day, for I confess as thy day so shall thy strength be. I possess special honor from my Father, for I confess... If any man serve me, him will my father honor. The church has never
0: given this vital subject a place in its teaching, and yet, answered prayer, the use of Jesus' name and faith are utterly dependent upon it. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession. Hebrews three one. Christianity is called our confession, and in Hebrews 4.14, he tells us to hold fast our confession. The old version reads, profession, but the Greek means witnessing a confession of our lips. You understand, Romans 10, 9, and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus as Lord, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You see the place that confession holds in salvation. It holds the same place in our faith walk. Christianity is a confession. It's our open confession of what we are in Christ, of what Christ is to us. Our faith is gauged by our confession. We never believe beyond our confession. It is not a confession of sin, it's the confession of our place in Christ, of our legal rights, of what the Father has done for us in Christ, and what the Spirit has done in us through the Word, and what He is able to do through us. There's a grave danger of our having two confessions. One would be the integrity of the Word, and the other would be of our doubts and fears. Every time we confess weakness and failure and doubt and fear, we go to the level of them. We may pray very ardently and very earnestly and declare in our prayers our faith in the Word, and yet the next moment we question whether He heard us or not. For we confess we have not the things for which we prayed. Our last confession destroys our prayer. One asked me to pray for His healing. I prayed for Him, and then He said, I want you to keep on praying for Me. I asked Him what He wished me to pray for. He said, Oh, for my healing. I said, prayer will be of no value. You have just denied the word of God. The word says, they that believe you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. I prayed the prayer of faith and he denied it. By his confession, he annulled my prayer and destroyed the effect of my faith. Your confession must absolutely agree with the word. And if you have prayed in Jesus' name, you are to hold fast your confession. It's easy to destroy the effect of your prayer
1: by a negative confession. Philemon, verse 6, thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. I acknowledge that it's not I that live, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. To acknowledge a fact is to confess that fact, to affirm it, to give testimony to it. Never can I forget the wonder day when I walked up and down in my office, affirming over and over, Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, It's his victorious faith by which I really live. I acknowledge that unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, in Christ that power is working within me. What is that power doing within? It is doing exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. Hallelujah. I acknowledge often that the power of God is working within me. I acknowledge that whatsoever I ask the Father in Jesus name he will give it to me. This is mine, blessed privilege, hallelujah. I ask the Father in Jesus name and wonderful things happen. I acknowledge this fact. I acknowledge that greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. I constantly acknowledge that the greater one is inside me. The greater one has control of me and he is far greater than the enemy in this world. How dominant this makes me over adverse circumstances, problems, anxieties. I acknowledge that God hath not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I acknowledge that within me is the spirit of power, of love and of a sound mind. This sets my faith on fire. I acknowledge that I have these right spirits of power, love love and a sound mind right now. I acknowledge that within me is liberty, for the Holy Spirit is within. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I never say I don't feel liberty within me. God says the Holy Spirit is within me, and because of that mighty Holy Spirit that liberated from the dead the body of Jesus Christ is indwelling my life, That same mighty spirit is producing liberty. I have the liberty of the spirit. I'm also a liberator, setting others free. I acknowledge that the love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. I acknowledge I can love with the same pure love, with which Jesus loved needy humanity, because the love of God is shed abroad in my heart. This is how I am known as a disciple of the Lord. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. I acknowledge that I can lay my hands on the sick and they shall recover. Jesus said so. And it's my supernatural authority to administer his healing power to sick and infirm bodies. They shall recover. After having
0: prayed for one the other morning, She was satisfied that she was perfectly healed but now the symptoms have returned and her heart is disturbed. She wonders where the difficulty lies. I asked this party, did you tell your husband when you met him at night that you were healed? No, you see, I wasn't sure yet, she said. I didn't want to say anything until I was positive. But you had no pain. Was there any soreness? I asked. Oh, that left. But you see, I have to be careful. My husband is skeptical, and I didn't want to tell him I was healed until I was sure. I can see where her difficulty lay. She did not believe the word. Had she made her confession to her husband, the thing would never have come back. But she played into the hands of the enemy, and he restored the same symptoms that she had had and brought back the pain and soreness. This happened because she invited him to do it. Had she dared to stand her ground on the word and hold fast to her confession that she was healed, he would have no ground of approach. Our faith or unbelief is determined by our confession. Few of us realize the effect of our spoken word on our heart or on our adversary. He hears us make our confession of failure, of sickness, of lack. And apparently he doesn't forget. And we unconsciously go down to the level of our confession. No one ever rises above it. If you confess sickness, it develops sickness in your system. If you confess doubt, the doubts become stronger. If you confess lack of finances, it stops the money from coming in. You say, I can't understand this. No, because most of us live in the sense realm and spiritual things are very indistinct. Hebrews 4.14 must become a constant reality. Having been a great high priest, Who hath passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Our confession is that the word cannot be broken. That what the Father says is true. When we doubt the Father, we are doubting his word. When we doubt his word, it's because we believe something else that is contrary to that word. Our confidence may be in the arm of flesh. It may be in medicine. It may be in institutions. But whatever our confidence is in, if it contradicts the word, it destroys our faith life. It destroys our prayers. It brings us again into bondage. Every person who walks by faith will have testings. They do not come from the Father. They come from the adversary. He is refusing to allow you to escape him. You become dangerous to the adversary when you become strong enough to resist him when you have learned to trust in the ability of the Father to meet your every need. When that becomes a reality in your consciousness, the adversary is defeated. But as long as he can confuse the issue and keep you in a state of flux, you are at a disadvantage. May your confidence in the word be strengthened to make you know that no word from God is void of power or can go by default. There isn't power in all the universe to void one statement of fact in this word. He said, I watch over my word to perform it. And again, whosoever believeth on him shall not be put to shame. Your confidence is in that unbroken living word. And you hold fast to your confession in the face
1: of every assault of the enemy. Titus 3.8, these things affirm constantly. The word confession in its positive meaning in the Bible is affirming what God has said in his word. It's witnessing to the word's declaration. It's testifying to truths revealed in the book. We have been divinely instructed to hold fast our confession. And again, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Not only are we to hold fast our confession of the word, but we are to affirm constantly those things God has revealed to us. What is confession? Confession is saying what God has said in his word about a certain thing. It's agreeing with God. It's saying the same thing the scripture says. To hold fast your confession is to say what God has said over and over until the thing desired in our heart and promised in the word is fully manifested. There's no such thing as possession without confession. When we discover our rights in Christ, We are to affirm these things constantly, testify to them, witness to these gigantic Bible facts. Or as Paul said in Philemon 6, the communication of thy faith becomes effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Affirmations of truth are to ring from our lips constantly. We are to hold fast to them without wavering. The penalty for wavering in our confession is that we deny ourselves God's promise and the performance of it. James chapter 1, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth, let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Psalm 107, verse 2, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Psalm 70, verse 4, Let such as love thy salvation say continually, Let God be magnified. What things are we to affirm constantly? Affirm the positive scriptures that reveal the good things within us in Christ. There are hundreds of powerful affirmations to make constantly as we speak the language of the scripture. Here are some things to affirm constantly. God is who he says he is. I am who God says I am. God can do what he says he can do. I can do what God says I can do. God has what he says he has. I have what God says I have. Hallelujah. Few
0: of us realize the effect that our conversations have upon our own spirits. When you pretend to be what you are not and you talk glibly about it, it builds into your spirit a weakness. It's like a piece of rot in the beam of a building or your conversation may be full of discouragement and you talk of your failures and inferiority. Eventually, it will rob you of initiative. You'll find it difficult to rise above that mental attitude. On the other hand, you speak the truth about what you are in Christ. You confess to your friends or your enemies what God is to you and of your union with him and that you're actually partners with him that he's the one who backs you up and furnishes the capital to put the thing over. You give him credit for his ability, for his wisdom, and you dare make your confession boldly of your confidence in your success by his grace. Jesus' bold and continual confession is our example. We are what he made us to be. Jesus confessed what he was. Sense knowledge could not understand it. We're to confess what we are in Christ. Men of the senses will not understand us. To confess that you're redeemed, that your redemption is an actual reality, that you're delivered out of Satan's dominion and authority, would be a daring confession to make. To confess that you are an actual new creation, created in Christ Jesus, that you're a partaker of the very nature and life of deity, would amaze your friends. It isn't confessing at once, but daily affirming your relationship to him. Confessing your righteousness, your ability to stand in His presence without the sense of guilt or inferiority. Dare to stand in the presence of sense knowledge facts and declare that you are what God says you are. For instance, sense knowledge declares that I am sick with an incurable illness. I confess that God laid that disease on Jesus and that Satan has no right to put it on me, that by His stripes I am healed. I am to hold fast to my confession in the face of apparent sense-knowledge contradiction. Sense-knowledge says that it's not true, that I'm confessing an untruth, but I am confessing what God says. You see, there are two kinds of truth, sense-knowledge truth and revelation truth, and they usually oppose each other. I live in the new realm above the senses. So I hold fast to my confession that I am what the Word says I am. Suppose my senses have revealed the fact that I am in great need financially. The Word declares, my God shall supply every need of yours. I call his attention to what the senses have intimated, and he knows that my expectations are from him. I refuse to be intimidated by sense evidences. I refuse to have my life governed by them. I know that greater is he that is in me than the forces that surround me. The forces that oppose me are in the senses. The power that is in me is the Holy Spirit, and I know that spiritual forces are greater than the forces in the sense realm. I maintain my confession of spiritual values, of spiritual realities, in the face of sense contradictions.
1: I want to challenge you to be your own faith builder. Here are some affirmations that will build your faith as you let God's word be in your spirit. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the words of God. Say it with all confidence, I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Yes I am. What does this mean? It means that the moment I receive Christ as my personal Savior and Lord, I was born into God's royal family. I am a son of God. God has created me now in Christ Jesus. He has put new life into me. I have been born from above, born of the Spirit. Everything that God creates is good. I will not run down my life because my life is in Christ. He made me and not myself. I am what he has made me to be, a new creature. I will not belittle myself for I am in Christ. And in Christ I have been granted new life. The old life is gone. I am a citizen of a new kingdom. My citizenship is in heaven. If you see an angel, ask him, and he will tell you that my name is written down in heaven. Oh, wonder of wonders. I am a new creation in Christ, created by God, his own workmanship. God is now working within me both the will and do of his own good pleasure. What is God doing within me? He's building me up, making me strong in faith. How is he doing this? By his own word. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. How do I know this? 2 Corinthians 5.21 is one of the great statements, among others, that tells me this fact. I am now righteous in Christ. Not only a new creature in Christ, but righteous in Christ. What does it mean to be righteous? It means that I possess the divine ability to be able to stand in God's holy presence without any sense of unworthiness. It means that God has made me righteous with his own righteousness. I stand before him with no sense of unworthiness. So now that I am complete in Christ, I am free from that old inferiority complex that once held me captive. Hallelujah! I am redeemed from the kingdom of darkness, and I have been translated unto the kingdom of God's dear Son. Once I was held in the realm of spiritual darkness. Satan was my lord and master. I was chained, bound, doomed for eternity in hell. But then Jesus came and broke the bonds, loosed my soul from eternal damnation, and gave me his life. I am now in that great kingdom where he reigns as Lord of lords and King of kings. He invites me to join him right on the throne. I reign with him in life. Yes, I am redeemed. Once I lived in awful bondage to Satan, and sin was my master. I lived to gratify the flesh. But now, in this new kingdom, sin has no dominion over me. In the old kingdom of darkness, I lived under the sway of sickness, fear, poverty, and failure. I was held by unclean powers. But now, through the blood of Jesus, I have been delivered. I say it boldly, goodbye sickness, goodbye fear, goodbye lack. Goodbye, weakness, I am free. Now I live in a new kingdom, the heavenly kingdom where there is life, light, liberty, joy, peace, health, assurance, blessing, and power. Oh, what a redemption is mine, for what a redeemer I have. I am an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. To be saved isn't a light thing. I have received a rich inheritance. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. My father loves me as he loved the Lord Jesus. My own wonderful father is greater than all. He loves me with an everlasting love. Yes, I am blessed with heaven's best. My Christ said, I am the vine and ye are the branches. That's how close I'm linked with him. He's that living vine and I'm a branch of that vine. That same life, love, joy, peace, power, wisdom, and ability that flows in the vine flows into the branch Wherever I the branch goes, the vine life flows. I have the life of God in my mortal body right now, not just when I get to heaven. But now my spirit has been quickened, made alive, and now I live and move and have my being in Christ. I have what God says I have. I can do what God says I can do. I am what God says I am. I affirm that these facts are forever settled in heaven and they are now settled in my heart, I shall speak them boldly and possess my possessions in Christ Jesus. Faith's confession
0: is always a joyful confession. It confesses that we have the money before it has arrived. It confesses perfect healing while the pain is still in the body. It confesses victory while defeat still holds it captive. Your confession is based upon the living word. I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is not only able to make good, but he is making good now in my case. I prayed for one who was very ill. After I'd finished praying, the person said, I know I'm going to get well. I knew that we were defeated, and I said to her, When are you going to get well? She said, I do not know when, but... I know I will, for the word cannot fail me. I said, No, but you have failed the word. The word is now. Faith is now. Is the word true in your case? She said, Yes, indeed it's true. Then I said, By his stripes what? She saw it. Why, by his stripes I am healed. I said, When? She said, Now. I said, You better get up and dress then. I remember an aged man from Fredericton, New Brunswick, a deacon in the Baptist church there, who came down with double pneumonia. Several of the local pastors and I went up to pray for him. I anointed him, and we prayed. After we prayed, he said with a strong voice, Wife, get my clothes. I'm getting up. That was joy acting on the Word. When we confess the Word with joy, it brings conviction to the listeners. In Romans 10, 10, it says, For with the heart man believeth. I like to translate it like this. For with the heart man acts on the word. The heart acts and that drives the lips to confession. A doubting heart is a sense ruled heart. A fearless confession comes from a word ruled heart. The word dominates their heart life and they speak as did Paul. I know whom I have believed. As Paul stood on the deck of that ship in the midst of the awful storm, he said, I believe God. Then he told those wandering men, Every one of you will get to the shore safely, but the ship will be lost. He said, Come, let us eat breakfast. He broke bread and gave thanks in the midst of them. He gave them more than bread. He gave them courage. Paul had a faith-filled, joyous confession. Only a heart that is nourished on the word can stand in these hard places. When we know that the word is God speaking to us now, it's not difficult to act upon it. In the 82nd Psalm, it declares that the word is settled in heaven. When I read that, I saw that it must be settled in my heart. I would no longer try to settle it. I knew that no word from God was void of fulfillment. I was no longer afraid to act upon it. The word became more real to me than any word man had ever spoken. My lips were filled with laughter. My heart was filled with joy, and I had a victorious confession. How many times have I seen the hesitant confession, a forerunner of failure, and the joyful confession, a forerunner of victory? When we fearlessly act upon the Word and joyfully cast our every care on Him, victory is as sure as
1: the rising of the sun. Walking with God by agreeing with God. How can I truly walk with God unless I agree with God? To agree with God is to say the same thing God says in His Word about salvation, healing, answer to prayer, and overcoming life. I agree with God that I am who God says I am, His heaven-born child, a new creature in Christ, more than a conqueror through Christ. I disagree with the devil who tells me I'm a no-good, a failure, a weakling. I am going under. I agree with God and disagree with the devil. How may I walk with God in power, blessing, and usefulness? By agreeing with God that I have what he says I have. His name, his nature, his power, his authority, his love. I agree that I have what God says in his word that I have. Enoch walked with God and so do I by agreeing that I have received the ability to do what God says I can do. Witness with power cast out demons, minister His healing benefits. I can do all things through Christ. I agree that I can do what God says in His book that I can do. If I speak only what my senses dictate, I'll not agree with God. It's speaking the word only by which I agree with God. It's the confession of faith that's my victory. To walk with God, I disagree with the devil. Jesus did by boldly declaring, It is written, I resist the devil by the word. Daily I walk with God by agreeing with God in his word. Because he has said it, I may boldly say it.
0: We walk in the light of our testimony. Our faith never goes beyond our confession. The word becomes real only as we confess its reality. The reason for this is we walk by faith and not by sight. Sense knowledge would confess only what it had seen, heard, or felt. The people who are seeking experiences always walk by the senses. Our testimony of the reality of the word is feared by Satan, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, this reacts on our heart just as doubt spoken by the lips reacts on our heart. Talk of your doubts and fears and you destroy your faith. Talk of the ability of the Father that is yours and Fill your lips with praise for answers to prayers that you have asked. Its reaction upon the heart is tremendous. Faith grows by leaps and bounds. Talk about your trials and your difficulties, of your lack of faith, of your lack of money, and faith shrivels, loses its virility. Your whole spirit life shrinks. Study about what you are in Christ and then confess it boldly. Dare to act on the word in the face of sense-knowledge opposition. Regardless of appearance, Take your stand, make your confession, and hold fast to it in the face of apparent impossibilities. You see, faith doesn't ask for possible things. Faith is demanding the impossible. Prayer is never for the possible, but always for the thing that is out of reason. It is God who is at work with us, in us, and for us. How shall He not with Him freely give us all things? You see, you are launching out into the realm of the impossible, just as Abraham did when he asked for a son. You're not asking for something you can do for yourself, but for something that is beyond reason. Refuse to take counsel with fear or to entertain a doubt. The hardest battles I've ever fought have been along this line. The greatest battles I've ever won have been those that seemed the most impossible, where there was the greatest opposition, where reason discredited my fate. I held fast to my confession, and the word was made good. Confess your dominion over disease in Jesus' name. Never be frightened by any condition, no matter how forbidding, how impossible the case may be. It may be cancer, tuberculosis, or an accident in which death seems to be the master of the situation. Never give in. You know you and God are masters of the situation. Never for a moment lose your confession of your supremacy over the works of the adversary. This disease, this calamity is not of God. It has but one source, Satan. And in Jesus' name you are a master. You have taken Jesus' place. You are acting in his stead. Fearlessly take your position. Confess your ability in Christ to meet any emergency. Always remember that Jesus met defeat and conquered it. You're facing defeat everywhere as a master. Don't let down. Keep your solid front. Way's translation of Philippians 1, verses 27 and 28. Let your life as members of one communion be worthy of the glad tidings of the Messiah, so that whether I do come and see you, or whether I must still be afar and only hear news of you, I may know that with united soul you are working strenuously shoulder to shoulder for the faith of the glad tidings. Present a solid front. Know that you are not cowed one whit by your adversaries. Their failure to daunt you is clear evidence, an actual sign from God for them that their destruction is imminent. But for you, that salvation is yours. That solid front is spoken of in Colossians 5.2, waveth translation. Yet in spirit I am present with you and am delighted to witness your good discipline and the solid front presented by your faith in Christ. That's the solid front presented to your enemy. You can't be conquered. Your spirit is whispering, Nay, in all these things I am more than a conqueror. Every disease is of the adversary. All kinds of sin are of the adversary. All opposition to the glad tidings is of the adversary. God and I are victors. Greater is he that is in me than this opposition or this disease. There is no need that is greater than my Lord. There is no lack that he cannot meet. This indomitable will that God has wrought in you cannot be overwhelmed or conquered. You remember what you are. You are a new creation. You are a branch of the vine. You are an heir of God. You are united with him. You and he are one, and he is the greater part of that one. There is no such thing as conquering God when his instrument refuses to admit that the enemy can overwhelm him. You are that instrument. I have learned in whatsoever state I am in, therein to be independent of circumstances. That's Philippians 4.11 in Ways translation. You said that you could not, and the moment that you said it, you were whipped. You said you did not have faith, and doubt arose like a giant and bound you. You're imprisoned with your own words. You talked failure, and failure held you in bondage. Proverbs 6, two, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth, thou art taken captive with the words of thy mouth. Few of us realize that our words dominate us. A young man said, I was never whipped until I confessed I was whipped. Another said, the moment I began to make a bold, confident confession, a new courage that I had never known took possession of me. Another young mother said, my lips have been a constant curse. I've never been able to get the mastery of my lips. A woman said the other day, I always speak my mind. She has few friends. Only pity causes people to go see her. Her lips have been her curse. It isn't so bad speaking your mind if you have the mind of Christ, but as long as you have a mind dominated by the devil, few people care to hear your mind. Never fear failure. Never talk defeat. Never for a moment acknowledge that God's ability can't put you over. Become God inside-minded, remembering that greater is he that is in you than any force that can come against you. Remembering that God created a universe with words, that words are more mighty than tanks or bombs, more mighty than an army or navy. Learn to use words so they'll work for you and be your servants. Learn that your lips can make you a millionaire or a pauper, wanted or despised a victor, or a captive. Your words can be filled with faith that will stir heaven and make men want you. Remember that you can fill your words with love so they'll melt the coldest heart and warm and heal the broken and discouraged. In other words, your words can become what you wish them to be. You can make them rhyme, you can fill them with rhythm, you can fill them with hatred, with poison, or you can make them breathe the very fragrance of heaven. Now you can see vividly what your confession can mean to your own heart. Your faith will never register above the words of your lips. It isn't so bad to think a thing as it is to say it. Thoughts may come and persist in staying, but you refuse to put them into words and they die unborn. Cultivate the habit of thinking big things and then learn to use words that will react upon your own spirit and make you a conqueror. Jesus' confessions prove to be realities. Faith's confessions create realities. Jesus confessed that he was the light of the world. He was it. The rejection of him has plunged the world into a new darkness. He said he was the bread from heaven, and it's true. The people who have fed upon his words have never suffered want. His words build faith as we act on them. Let them live in us. His words were filled with himself. As we act on them, They fill us with Christ. His words feed faith and cause it to grow in power in us. The believer's words should be born of love and filled with love. Our lips are taking the place of his. Our words should never bruise or hurt, but should bless and heal. Jesus was the way, the reality, and the life. We are taking his place, showing the way, confessing the reality, enjoying the life. You will never enjoy what you are in Christ until
1: his love rules your lips. Don't say, I can't, when God says you can. Don't say, I can't. The phrase, I can't, is nowhere in the Bible. Speak God's language. Say what his word says. Harmonize with heaven by affirming God's word. Agree with God by agreeing with his word. Don't say, I can't receive my healing. Rather, boldly speak it, I can receive my healing, for with his stripes I am healed. I can receive my healing because Jesus said, They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Hands have been laid upon me, thus I am recovering. Don't say, I can't pay my bills. Rather, declare it emphatically. I can pay my bills, for my God shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I have honored the Lord by paying my tithes and giving offerings in his name. And he promises he will open heaven's windows and will pour out overflowing blessings and will rebuke the devourer for my sake. I can pay my bills, because my God supplies the money to meet every need of my life. Don't say, I can't witness in power, I'm so weak and anemic as a Christian, and when it comes to giving my testimony, rather defeat that negative statement by affirming, I can witness in power, for I have received the Holy Spirit into my life, and Jesus said that I would have power when I possess the mighty indwelling of the Holy Spirit, I can share my testimony, my witness for Christ, the message of his salvation with great effectiveness, because I'm energized by the mighty Holy Ghost from heaven. Don't say, I just can't get my prayers answered. This kind of expression will close the heavens to your life. With assurance, speak out. I can receive the answer to my prayers, for Jesus said, that whatsoever I ask the Father in his name, he will give it to me. I can receive mighty answers from God, for he has promised if I would call unto him, he would answer me and show me great and mighty things. I know I can receive the answer to my prayers, for this is my confidence in him, that whatsoever I ask, I receive of him because I keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Don't say, I can't see my loved ones one to Christ. That's a lie of the devil, and for you to speak it is to give place to the adversary. Agree with God's promise and declare it. I can see my loved ones all one to Jesus Christ. For God has promised that if I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, not only would I be saved, but also by believing, my whole household will be saved. I shall never fear that my loved ones will be lost forever in hell. I can see all my loved ones saved because I am God's instrument to believe for their salvation. Praise the Lord.
0: Realization can only follow confession. We walk in the light of our testimony. The word becomes real only as we confess its reality. Satan fears our testimony. If you confess something with your mouth, it reacts upon your heart or your spirit. We confess what we are in Christ. Then we act our confession. If we confess fears, they'll rule us. If we confess the dominion of disease it asserts its lordship over our bodies more fully. If we confess our freedom that the Son has made us free, God makes that confession a reality. When we realize that Jesus met defeat and conquered it, and we dare to make that confession, defeat and failure lose their dominion over us. Thinking faith thoughts and speaking faith words leads the heart out of defeat into victory. When we confess his word, he watches over it to make it good. But there is no action on the part of God without our confession. Christianity is called the great confession. Hebrews 3.1, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, even Jesus. That's the American Revised. Hebrews 4.14, having been a great high priest who hath passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. What is the confession to which we are to hold fast? that in him we have a perfect redemption. Colossians 1, 13 and 14, who delivered us out of the authority of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have our redemption, the remission of our sins. That redemption never becomes a reality until we confess it. Few seem to grasp this fact. In the face of apparent defeat, we confess our redemption and deliverance, and it becomes a reality. We do not ask for redemption, we thank him for it. That redemption was wrought according to 1 Peter one eighteen and 19. Knowing that ye were redeemed, not with corruptible things, with silver or gold, from your vain manner of life handed down from your fathers, but with precious blood, as a lamb without blemish and without spot, even the blood of Christ. This is not a promise, but a fact. Ephesians 2.10 we confess that we are new creations created in Christ Jesus, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God afore prepared that we should walk in them. Second Corinthians 5:17: We dare to say, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All these things are of God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ. We know that we are not only redeemed and made new creations, but that we are also reconciled. We dare confess it before the world. We confess our redemption from the hand of Satan, that he is unable to put disease upon us and hold us in bondage. Revelation 12:11, And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. The word here is Logos. They overcame the adversary because of the blood of the Lamb and the Logos that was in their testimony. They rested on the integrity of the word. They dared to confess that what God said was true. Romans 4.25, who was delivered up for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. Romans five one, being therefore justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then dare confess that this is true now. Confess your righteousness in Christ. We are now the righteousness of God in Christ. We dare declare this before the world. We dare confess that God himself has become our righteousness. Romans three twenty six. Second Corinthians 5, 21. We have been made by the new birth and the Spirit the very righteousness of God in him. Him who knew no sin, he made to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is God's own declaration of what we are now, not what we want to be, but what God has made us to be. First Peter 2.24 declares, We are healed, who his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree, that we, having died unto sins, might live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. The work is done. It's not a problem of getting our healing, nor a problem of faith. It's a problem of the integrity of the word of God. Can we depend upon that word? Jeremiah 1.12, I watch over my word to perform it. Our confession must be a confession of the absolute faithfulness of the word, of his finished work, and of the reality of our relationship as sons and daughters. Our words determine our faith. Our words are our confession. If I continually confess lack, I believe in lack. My confession surely becomes a reality. I confess the things which I believe. If I believe in failure and weakness, I'll confess it. I will live up to the standard of my confession. If I dare say that Psalm 3410 is true, but they that seek Jehovah shall not want any good thing, and if I stand by my confession, God will make good all I have confessed. Psalm 8411. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Jehovah of hosts! Blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. I dare confess Proverbs three five. Trust in Jehovah with all thy heart, and lean not upon thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy paths. That is guidance. Not only is it deliverance from conditions, but it is a guidance into his will, into the paths of plenty. Philippians 4.19 becomes the song of my heart. And my God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. What a confession that is. The heart waxes strong. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of Jehovah and their righteousness, which is of me, saith Jehovah. God is under obligation to stand by and care for his own. He cannot fail us. Psalm 118, verse 6, Jehovah is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? Isaiah 41:10: Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. This is God's challenge, and I dare confess it before the world. What a confession it makes. God says to me personally, Don't be afraid, child. I am with thee. Be not dismayed. I am your God. He was Israel's God. Do you remember what happened to Pharaoh and Egypt and the Philistines? Exodus 14, verses 21 through 31, and then 1 Samuel 14. Do you remember what happened to all the nations that laid their hands upon Israel? while they were keeping the covenant. 1 Chronicles 16.22, Touch not mine anointed ones. He will take care of us as he took care of them. He will be our protector and caretaker. Jesus said that faith would win. Faith has won. We are witnesses of this tremendous reality. The Bible is God's confession. The more I read it, the more this great truth overshadows everything from Genesis to Revelation. It's a continual confession of his greatness, his ability, his love, and his great Father heart. Jesus, as you see him in the four Gospels, is continually making confessions. He is the great shepherd. He is the light of the world. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd layeth down his life for the sheep. John eight twelve I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in the darkness, but shall have the light of life. He said in John 14:6, I am the way and the truth and the life. John 11:25, I am the resurrection and the life. John 6:35, I am the bread of life. Those are tremendous confessions. John 10:29, my father who hath given them unto me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. Jesus confession led him straight to Calvary. John 5.18, For this cause, therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only breaks the Sabbath, but he also called God his own Father, making himself equal with God. The fearless confessions of men down through the ages have given us our martyrs. Faith gives courage to confession, and confession gives boldness to faith. Your confession lines you up, gives you your place, establishes your position. We know what you are. If you are silent, we cannot place you. Confession heals or confession keeps you sick. By your confession, you are saved or lost. By your confession, you have plenty or you lack. By your confession, you are weak or you are strong. You are what you confess with your lips and what you believe in your heart. Your confession of failure keeps you in the realm of failure. Your confession of God's ability in your case puts you over. Proverbs six two, Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. We are snared by our confession, or we are set free with the words of our confession. Make your confession harmonize with the word of God. It will not harmonize with sense knowledge, so don't try to make it. Sense knowledge calls it presumption or Fanaticism, but God calls it faith and honors it. Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is assurance of things hoped for, a conviction of things not seen. God has done all that can be done for us. He says that his redemption is complete. Confess that it is done, taking your place, calling yourself by the name that he has called you, acknowledging all the word says is yours. Now declare that all God has spoken in your case is true. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If therefore the Son shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. The truth will make you free. You declare that whom the Son has made free is free in reality, that sin cannot lord it over you any longer, that disease and sickness cannot lord it over you. Romans six fourteen, For sin shall not have dominion over you, or lord it over you. Worry and anxiety cannot lord it over you. Satan's dominion is ended. You stand complete in him. Few of us have realized the power of his word on our lips. He said in Mark 16:18 that those who believe shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. John 14, 13, Whatsoever ye shall ask, demand, in my name that will I do. Acts 3 deals with the story of the name in Peter's lips. He said, look on us. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. If you do not use the name, the name can do nothing. But if you will use the name, it will be as the Father's name was in Jesus' lips. In Acts 4, 18 through 37, we are reminded of how the place was shaken by the name of Jesus. The 18th verse and they called them and charged them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. The name in their lips had shaken Jerusalem to the foundation. Acts 16, verses 16 through 18, shows the power of the name in Paul's lips. He said, I charge thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. She was healed and delivered. John fifteen seven if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatsoever you will, and it shall be done unto you. The word in your lips not only makes you free, but it sets others free. The word in your lips heals the sick. The word in your lips creates faith in the hearts of those who hear you. The word in your lips will change lives as they listen. It is the very life of God in those words. The Bible is God's word. In the lips of love and faith, every word is God-filled. Our daily conversation is the great confession. We confess Christ before the world. We confess the fullness of his grace. We confess the integrity of the revelation. Our first confession is Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. Because if thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus as Lord, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We have found a perfect redemption. We confess it to the world. In Acts 10.36, Peter says, He is Lord of all. How that thrills the heart. He is the Lord of the three worlds, heaven, earth, and hell. Every knee bows to that name. With joy we confess Psalm 23.1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jeremiah 16.19, O Jehovah, my strength and my stronghold and my refuge in the day of affliction. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things in Christ who strengtheneth me. I say to the world, the Lord Jesus is my supply. He is my shepherd. I do not want. There is a grave danger of our making a wrong confession, a wrong affirmation. We confess our fears and doubts that gives Satan dominion. We confess our sickness and confession binds our will as a captive and holds us in absolute slavery. We confess want and lack of money, and want comes like an armed man and holds us in bondage. We confess lack of ability in the face of the fact that God said he was the strength of our life. These confessions of failure shut the father out and let Satan in and give him the right of way. These confessions repudiate the word of God. They honor Satan. What should we confess? Psalm 23, 1 the Lord is my shepherd, I do not want. You're not afraid anymore, and you confess it. John 10, 29, My Father is greater than all. Our words imprison us, or they set us free. Our words put us in bondage, keep us from our freedom and our liberty in Christ. Malachi 3, 13, Your words have been stout against me, saith Jehovah. That's when our words war with his word. A woman came to me the other day. She said, I've been prayed for, but I get no deliverance. Her word contradicted the word of God. His word said, if ye shall ask anything of the father, he will give it you in my name. Mark 16:18. they that believe shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. She repudiated it. She denied that the word was true. Her words were warring against the word of God. She had unconsciously taken an attitude of mind that was against the word. She did not intend to, but she had done it. That very attitude held her in bondage. As I talked with her, I could see that she was not taking in what I said. When I prayed for her, she was freed from pain. But the whine did not leave her voice. There was no confession of victory in her lips. There is always a danger of mental assent confession. Mental assent recognizes the truthfulness of the word, but never acts upon it. Its confession is, oh yes, there is healing in the word. There is salvation and deliverance in the word, but... On the other hand, faith joyfully confesses its victory. Its joy is a celebration. It is a triumph over the witnesses of the senses. Faith gives a sense of security, of absolute assurance, of quietness, and when this breaks forth in confession, it becomes a reality. The heart must be rooted and grounded in the word and in love. Acts 19.20, so mightily grew the word of the Lord and prevailed. Faith is simply the word prevailing over sense evidence. Acts 20.32 gives us a striking illustration. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all them that are sanctified. It's the word that establishes. It's the word that builds. It's the word of his grace that builds faith in the heart of the believer. Jesus confession demands more careful attention. John 5:19 and 20. Here are 10 claims of Jesus. Every one of them puts him into the class of deity. Study them carefully. Underscore them in your Bible. John 5:43, I came in my father's name. John 5:46, for if ye believed in Moses, ye would believe me. John 6.35, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall not hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. This is a tremendous confession. John 6.47, he that believeth hath eternal life. I am the living bread which came down out of heaven. John 7.29, I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. John 8.29, I do always the things that are pleasing to him. John 10.10, I came that they may have life and may have it abundantly. John 10.30, I and the Father are one. John 11.25, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he die, yet shall he live. These are a few of his confessions. Do we dare confess what we are in Christ and what we have in Christ? Dare we confess John 16? Of his fullness have we all received, and grace upon grace? We have received his fullness, but it's done us no good, for we have failed to translate it into a confession. Every believer knows that God laid his diseases on Jesus, yet he fears to make the confession and act on the word. This fear is of the adversary. It indicates that we have more confidence in the adversary than we have in the word of God. We confess that what he says is true. Then we demonstrate it in our daily life. There is no confession in the lives of many people. There is much prayer, but there is no confession that the word is true. It is not prayer many need, but confession of the word. I do not mean a confession of sin. A woman said recently after I had prayed for her and opened the word to her, You will keep on praying for my disease, won't you? Her confession was that the word was a lie. You're to confess that you can do what he says you can do, that you are what the word says you are. He says that you are a new creation created in Christ Jesus. He says that you are more than a victor, that you are an overcomer. He made you to be a son, a daughter of God almighty, an heir of God and a joint heir of Jesus Christ. You can do all things in him who is your strength. Philippians 4.13 What he says I can do, I declare that I can do. What he says, I am, I declare that I am. I make my confession boldly. You make your confession. God is my father. I am his child. As a son in his family, I am taking my place. I am acting my part. I am in Christ. Christ is in me. Remember that the father will be to you what you confess him to be. If prayer is not answered, hold fast to your confession. If the name of Jesus does not give instant deliverance, hold fast your confession. If the money does not come, stand by your confession. Luke 1.37, no word from God is void of power. Isaiah 55.11, the word must accomplish the will of the Father. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I set it. There is a danger of praying than going back on your prayer. When you pray for some need and declare that the need is not met, you have repudiated your prayer. But prayer is answered. His word is real. Do not annul the word by negative confession. Isaiah 41.10 Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness.
1: What I am not, I am not sick, for my Lord healeth me of all my diseases. I am not bound, for the Son has made me free. I am not defeated, for I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me. I am not weak, for the Lord will give strength unto his people." I am not without power, for ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. I am not without peace, being justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I am not lacking any good thing, for no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. I am not overtaken by any evil work, for the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. I am not afraid of any plague, for there shall no evil befall thee. Neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. I am not running from the devil, for I am resisting the devil, and he is fleeing from me. I am not without daily quickening, for he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. I am not shackled by sin, demons, or fear. For thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. I am not in a losing battle, for the Lord shall fight for me, and I shall hold my peace. I am not without joy, for his joy shall be in me, and my joy shall be full. I shall not fail to see God, for blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I am not oppressed by cares, difficulties, and troubles, for I am casting all my cares upon him, for he careth for me.
0: Another desperate enemy and a persistent one is wrong confession. What do I mean by wrong confession? You know that Christianity is really the great confession. Romans 10 verse 9. Because if thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus as Lord, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You notice it is a confession here with your lips. Whenever the word confession is used, we unconsciously think of sin. It's not confession of sin. It's a confession of our knowing that God's Son died for our sins according to Scripture and that the third day he was raised again. Now, with my mouth, I make confession of the lordship of that raised one. I not only do that, but with my heart, I have accepted his righteousness and I make confession of my salvation. You see, there is no such thing as salvation without confession. So Hebrews 3.1 becomes clear. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, even Jesus. You see, Christianity is our confession. Hebrews 4.14, he says, let us hold fast our confession. What is our confession? Why, that God is our father. We are his children. We are in his family. It's a confession that our Father knows what our needs are and has made provision to meet every one of them. It's a confession of the finished work of Christ, of what I am in Him and what He is in me. It's a confession that greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. It is my confession that my God does supply every need of mine according to His riches in glory. It's my confession that when I pray, the Father hears my prayer and answers me. This is a manifold confession. If I were sick, I would maintain my confession that by his stripes I am healed. If I were weak, I would insist upon this confession that God is now the strength of my life, and I can do all things in him who is enabling me with his own ability. If it's a problem of wisdom, I confess that Jesus has been made unto me wisdom from God. Here are some don'ts. Don't try to believe. Just act on the word. Don't have a double confession so that one moment you confess, yes, he heard my prayer, I am healed, or I will get the money, and then begin to question how it's going to come and what you ought to do to get it. Your latter confession destroys prayer and destroys faith. Do your own believing. Have your own faith as you have your own clothes. Act on the word for yourself. Don't talk doubt or unbelief. Never admit that you are a doubting Thomas. That's an insult to your father. Don't talk about sickness and disease. Never talk about failure. Talk about the word, its absolute integrity, and of your utter confidence in it, of your ability to act on it and hold fast to your confession of its truthfulness.
1: I challenge you to make this a personal confession to your own heart. When you do that, you'll become one of God's used ones, the indomitable Christian who really gets things done through the Christ who indwells you. Say it with all confidence. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. The Bible is God's word. When God says a thing, he means it. I can do what God says I can do. Jesus said, in my name shall you cast out devils, you shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I can do that. In his name I can cast out demons and minister healing to the sick. Psalm 37.4, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. I can have the desires of my heart, for I am delighting myself in the Lord. Acts 1, eight: Ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. I can witness in power, for I have the Holy Spirit in my life. Isaiah 53 5, with his stripes we are healed. I can possess healing and health, for by his stripes I am healed. John 13, 34, love one another as I have loved you. I can love others even as Jesus loved me, for his love is shed abroad in my heart. I love with his love. 1 Corinthians 1 30, Christ Jesus has made unto us wisdom from God. I can have divine wisdom in every crisis. For Christ himself is my very wisdom. Proverbs 28, 1. The righteous are bold as a lion. I can be bold as a lion, for I have been made righteous with his righteousness. Daniel eleven, thirty-two. 32. And the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. I can do exploits, for I know my God who makes me strong. 2 Peter 1, 3. His divine power hath given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I can enjoy all things that pertain to both life and godliness, and I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. What I confess,
0: I possess. It took me a long time to see this truth. After I saw it and thought I understood it, I still couldn't act upon it. Christianity is called the Great Confession. The law of that confession is that I confess I have a thing before I consciously possess it. Romans 10, 9, and 10 gives you the law for entering the household of faith. Because if thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus as Lord, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You see, with the heart, the man believes that Jesus is his righteousness. And with his lips, he makes a confession of his salvation. You notice that confession of the lips comes before God acts upon our spirits and recreates them. I say, Jesus died for my sins according to scripture, and I now acknowledge him as my Lord. And I know that the instant I acknowledge him as my Lord, I have eternal life. I cannot have eternal life until I confess that I have it. I confess that I have salvation before God acts and recreates me. The same thing is true in regard to healing. I confess that by his stripes I am healed and the disease still is in my body. I say, surely he has borne my sicknesses and carried my pains, and I have come to appreciate him as the one who was stricken, smitten of God with my diseases, And now I know that by his stripes I am healed. Now, that's a literal translation. I make the confession that by his stripes I am healed. The disease and its symptoms may not leave my body at once, but I hold fast to my confession. I know that what he has said he is able to make good. I know that I am healed because he said I was healed. And it makes no difference what the symptoms may be in my body. I laugh at them. And in the name of Jesus, I command the author of disease to leave my body. He is defeated, and I am a victor. I have learned this law that when I boldly confess, then and then only do I possess. I make my lips do their work. I give the word its place. God has spoken, and I side with the word. If I side with the disease and the pain, there is no healing for me. But I take sides with the word and I repudiate the disease and sickness. My confession gives me possession. I want you to note this fact. Faith is governed by our confession. If I say I have been prayed for and I'm waiting now for God to heal me, I have repudiated my healing. My confession should be this. The word declares that I am healed, and I thank the Father for it, and I praise him for it, because it is a fact. You remember Philippians 4, 6, and 7. In nothing be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall guard your hearts and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. Why must prayer be made with thanksgiving? That means that I know the thing is done. I asked for it, and now I have it. So I thank the Father for it. The seventh verse says, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, will fill my heart. I'm not worrying any longer. I have it. I'm not going to get the money I need. I have it. It's just as real as though it were in my pocket. I'm not going to get my healing. I have my healing because I have his word and my heart is filled with rapture. I have God's word for it. Your confession solves the problem. A wrong confession hinders the spirit's work in your body. A neutral confession is unbelief. It's just as bad as a negative confession. It is the positive, clear-cut confession that wins. I know in whom I have believed. I know that no word from God is void of power or fulfillment. I know that he watches over his word to make it good. These are the confessions of a victor. I want you to notice several facts about the relation of confession to faith. Your confession is your faith. If it be a neutral confession, you have neutral faith. If it's a negative confession, it's unbelief dominating your spirit. Unbelief grows with a negative confession. A confession of failure puts failure on the throne. If I confess weakness, weakness dominates me. If I confess my sickness, I am held in bondage by it. These negative confessions are acknowledgments of Satan's dominion over God's tabernacle. Your spirit always responds to your confession. Faith is not a product of the reasoning faculties, but of the recreated spirit. When you were born again, you received the nature of the Father God. That nature grows in you with your acting on the word, and your confession of the Father's perfect dominion in your body causes your spirit to grow in grace and ability. You remember that your confession is your present attitude toward the Father. In some special testing that may come to you, your confession is either in the realm of faith or in the realm of unbelief. Your confession either honors the Father or Satan, either gives Satan or the word dominance in your life. Now you can see the value of holding fast to your confession. Your confession either makes you a conqueror or it defeats you. You rise or fall to the level of your confession. Learn to hold fast to your confession in the hard places. John 8, 36. If the Son has made you free, you're free indeed. The Son has made you free. Now stand fast in that liberty. Galatians 5, 1 is of vital importance to every believer. For freedom did Christ set us free. Stand fast, therefore. The time to make your confession is when Satan attacks you. You feel the pain coming in your body. You repudiate it. You command it to leave in the name of Jesus. Romans eight thirty one through 37. If God is for us, who is against us? Your Father is for you. Disease cannot conquer you, nor can the author of disease. Circumstances cannot master you, because the Father and Jesus are greater than any circumstances you have learned that in whatsoever circumstance or condition you are to rejoice in your continual victory. You know that 1 John 4, 4 is true. Ye are of God, my little children, and have overcome them. Notice who you are. You are of God. You are born of God. You are a product of his and of his own will. He brought you forth through the word. The rest of the verse reads, Greater is he that is in you, than he that is in the world. For it is God who is at work within you, willing and working his own good pleasure. Philippians 2.13 has been my victory many times. Now turn to Romans 8.11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwelleth in you, he that raised up Christ Jesus from the dead shall give life also to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwelleth in you. You must recognize this fact. All is yours by confession, or all is lost by a negative confession. You get God's best by the confession that you have it. The secret of faith is the secret of confession. Faith holds the confession that he has the thing he desires before he actually possesses it. Sense knowledge, faith confesses that he is healed when the pain leaves and the swelling goes down. There is really no faith in that. Faith declares you are healed while the pain is still racking your body. Let me state it again. Possession comes with confession. Possession stays with continual confession. You confess that you have it, and you thank the Father for it, and then realization follows. Remember, confession with thanksgiving always brings realization. Confession is the melody of faith. Confession before realization is foolishness to sense knowledge. Abraham's faith was contrary to sense evidence. He waxed strong, giving glory to God, knowing that what God promised he would make good. Sense knowledge has no real faith in the word. John seventeen twenty three, That they may know that thou lovest them even as thou lovest
1: me. Philemon, verse 6. That the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. God has shown me a great faith secret here. My faith will become effective, that is, get things from God, by my acknowledging of every good thing which is in me in Christ Jesus. Acknowledging is confessing or affirming the good things which are in me in Christ Jesus. This harmonizes with Romans 10.10, that what I confess, I possess. These good things I acknowledge that are within me are not my own attainments, but what I have in Christ Jesus. All things are mine in Christ. Of his fullness have I received. One of the devil's subtle devices, of which I am not ignorant, lest he get an advantage of me, is to cause me to focus attention upon my past sins, my failures, my weaknesses, my mistakes. I will resist the devil, and he will flee from me by, Thus saith the Lord. My faith is set on fire by acknowledging every good thing which is in me in Christ Jesus. It's acknowledging my possessions in Christ. What shall I acknowledge? That I am who God says I am, that I have what God says I have, that I can do what God says I can do. I know that I go to the level of my confession. If it's a negative confession, acknowledging only the bad, rather than the good things in me in Christ, I will go to the level of defeat, failure, weakness, and lack. But I refuse to do that. I shall acknowledge the good things I possess in Christ, and thereby my faith is dynamic, effective, on fire, gets things from God. Effective faith I now have by acknowledging every good thing which is in me In Christ Jesus, hallelujah.
0: An affirmation is a statement of fact or a supposed fact. Faith and unbelief are built out of affirmations. The affirmation of a doubt builds unbelief. An affirmation of faith builds strength to believe more. When you affirm that the word of God cannot be broken, you affirm that the word and God are one, that when you trust in the word, you are trusting in God the Father. You affirm to your own heart that behind the word is the throne of God, that the integrity of God is interwoven into the pattern of his word. Abraham counted that God was able to make good all that he promised. God did make good on his promise to Abraham. The amazing thing is that he took a man 100 years old and renewed his body, making it young again. He took a woman 90 years old and made her young, beautiful, and so attractive that a king fell in love with her. She gave birth to a beautiful boy after she was 90 years old. It was not Sarah's faith, it was Abraham's faith that made this woman young. Doubt was a part of her life. She voiced her unbelief in a statement, and the angel heard her and reprimanded her for it. Genesis 18.12 She retreated in fear from the angel as unbelief always makes us retreat. When you constantly affirm that Jesus is the surety of the new covenant and that every word from Matthew to Revelation can be utterly depended upon, then that word in your lips is God speaking. When you say what God told you to say, then it is as though Jesus were saying it. When you remember that the word never grows old, is never weak, Never loses its power, but is always the living word, the life-giving word, the sustaining word, the Satan-defeating word, and you boldly confess it, then it becomes a living thing in your lips. When you confess that Satan has no ability to break the seal of the blood, and that by the blood they overcame the adversary, and by the word of their testimony, you gain the ascendancy. When you openly affirm His Word is what it confesses to be, the Word of God, that His Word is your contract as well as your contract with Him, then the Word becomes a living reality in your daily life. Your Word can become one with God's Word. His Word can become one with your Word. His Word abiding in you gives you an authority in heaven. That's a thrilling fact. John fifteen seven. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatsoever you will, and it shall be done unto you. The words of your lips are the words that abide in you and dominate you. This visible word gives faith in the unseen word sitting at the right hand of God. The word you have in your hand carries you beyond sense knowledge into the very presence of God and gives you a standing there. We're continually affirming something. And that affirmation and the reactions of the affirmation upon our lives are sometimes very disastrous. You know the effects of words of loved ones have upon you. Well, the effect of your own words upon you is just as strong. You continually say, well, I can't do it. I just can't do it. I haven't the strength to do it. And you feel your physical energy and your mental efficiency oozing away and leaving you weak and full of indecision and doubt and your efficiency is gone. You see, an affirmation is the expression of our faith. Whether we have faith in ourselves, in loved ones, in the Bible or its author, or whether we have faith in disease, failure, and weakness. Some people are always confessing their faith in diseases, their faith in failure and calamity. You'll hear them confessing that their children are disobedient and that their husband or wife is not doing what's right. They constantly confess failure and doubts. They little realize that that confession robs them of their ability and efficiency. They little realize that that confession can change the solid, hard road into a boggy, clogged mire. But it is true. The confession of weakness will bind and hold you in captivity. Talk poverty, and you'll have plenty of it. Confess your wants. Your lack of money all the time, and you will always have a lack. Your confession is the expression of your faith, and these confessions of lack and of sickness shut the Father God out of your life and let Satan in, giving him the right of way. Confessions of failure give disease and failure dominion over your life, they honor Satan and rob God of his glory. Here are a few good confessions The Lord is my shepherd, I do not want. You say this in the face of the fact that want has been your master. A new master has taken over the kingdom, and you whisper it softly at first, The Lord is my shepherd. Then you say it a little stronger, The Lord is my shepherd. You keep repeating it until it dominates you. When this becomes true in your life, you will never say again, I want or I need, but you will say, I have. He that believeth hath. Believing is having. Here you whisper, my father is greater than all. What a confession that is. My father is greater than want, greater than disease, greater than weakness, greater than any enemy that can rise against me. Then you say with deliberate confidence, God is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? God is my strength. How much strength have I? God is the measure of it. There are two types of affirmations that I wish you to notice. First, there is the affirmation with nothing behind it but my own will to make it good. It's based upon a philosophy born of sense knowledge. That sense knowledge is a product of my own mind. If it be in regard to sin, I deny the existence of it. If it be in regard to sickness, I deny that sickness has any existence. We see this in Christian science. If it's a problem of ability to meet a financial obligation, I affirm with all my might that I have the ability to meet it, and all that I have to make these affirmations good is something that I am or have of myself. The Word of God has no place in this affirmation. I cannot say that greater am I than disease, or greater am I than this demand upon me. Consequently, my affirmation becomes a failure. The second type of affirmation is based upon the word of God. The word says, if God be for you, who can be against you? I know that he's for me. I know that this disease that was laid upon me has been defeated, that it was actually laid upon Christ, and by his stripes I am healed. That affirmation is based upon the word of God, upon the word that liveth and abideth and cannot be broken. Jesus said, heaven and earth may pass away, But my word will never pass away. You see the vast difference between an affirmation based upon your own will or philosophy and an affirmation backed up by God himself? The affirmation based upon sense knowledge philosophy have no more value or ability to make good than is in the will and mind of the maker of the affirmation. But the affirmation that is based upon the living word has God back of it to make it good. Claiming the promises is not faith. Faith already has it. Claiming proves that one doesn't have it yet. It's unbelief attempting to act like faith. As long as one is trying to get it, faith has not yet acted. Faith says, Thank you, Father. Faith has it. Faith has arrived. Faith stops praying and begins to praise. Notice carefully doubt says, I claim the promises. I am standing on the promises. This is all the language of doubt. Unbelief quotes the word but does not act upon it. We call this mental assent. I can remember in those early days how we used to plead the promises and claim them as ours. We didn't know that our very language savored of unbelief. You see, believing is simply acting on the word. We act on the word as we would act on the word of a loved one. We act on the word because we know that it is true. We do not try to believe it. We do not pray for faith. We simply act upon it. One said to me the other day, I'm trying to make the word true. I said, I don't see why you need to do that because it's always been true. People do not know the word until they begin to practice it and let it live in them. They may have sat under one of the finest teachers or preachers in the country for years Yet it has never become a part of their lives. Using the word in your daily life is the secret of faith. The word abides in you and enables him to express himself through you. You draw on the vine life for wisdom, love, and ability. You're never without resources. The word is the master speaking to you. When you act on the word, you're acting in unison with him. You and he are lifting the load together. He is fellowshipping with you, sharing with you. You're sharing His ability and strength. Now you can understand that all faith is, is acting on the Word. We're through with sense knowledge formulas. Now we're walking with Him, realizing that His ability has become ours.
1: Psalm 50:23 Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him that ordereth his conversation aright, will I show the salvation of God. Words of praise glorify the Lord. I shall be a bold praiser, one who praises the Lord. My resolve, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. As a praiser, I extol the Lord, not so much for his gifts I receive, but I magnify the wonderful giver himself. Words spoken in harmony with God's word work wonders too. I shall order my conversation aright. No corrupt word shall proceed out of my mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Words of confession of God's word indeed work wonders. My confession always precedes my possession. The word confession means to say the same thing. I dare to say exactly what God says in his word. I agree with God by speaking his word in all circumstances. How can I talk sickness when the Bible says with his stripes we are healed? How can I talk weakness when the Bible says the Lord is the strength of my life? How can I talk defeat when the Bible says we are more than conquerors through Christ? How can I talk lack when the Bible says my God shall supply all my need? How can I talk bondage when the Bible says the Son has made me free? When I order my words aright, God manifests to me the benefits of his great salvation. Romans 10.10, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. With my mouth I make confession unto salvation, which includes healing, deliverance, and every spiritual and physical blessing provided for us in Christ. By words I overcome Satan. I know also that words can work blunders. Most of our troubles are tongue troubles. A negative confession precedes possession of wrong things. With the mouth, confession is made unto sickness, defeat, bondage, weakness, lack, and failure. I refuse to have a bad confession. My words work wonders, words of praise, words confessing God's word, words of bold authority, expelling satanic power, words of singing. Yes, words are the coin of the kingdom. I boldly speak words that work wonders. It is necessary that there be a continual confession of our redemption
0: from Satan's dominion and that he no longer rules us with condemnation nor fear of disease. We hold fast to this confession as our confession is Satan's defeat. We believers do not ask to be healed because we have been healed. We do not ask to be made righteous because we have been made righteous. We do not ask to be redeemed for our redemption is an absolute fact. In the mind of the Father, we are perfectly healed and perfectly free from sin because he laid our diseases and our sins upon his Son. His Son was made sin with our sins. He was made sick with our diseases. In the mind of Christ, we are perfectly healed because he can remember when he was made sin with our sins, when he was made sick with our diseases. He remembers when he put our sin and our diseases away. In the mind of the Holy Spirit, we are absolutely free from both. For he remembers when Christ was made sin and when he was made sick. He remembers when he raised Jesus from the dead. Christ was free from our sin and our sickness. Both had been put away before his resurrection. The word declares that by his stripes we were healed. The whole problem is our recognition of the absolute truthfulness of that word. It's not good taste to ask him to heal us for he has already done it. This truth came with a shock when I first saw it. He declared that we are healed, therefore we are. The only problem now is to get in perfect harmony with his word. If he declares we're healed, then our part is to thank him for the work he's already accomplished. Our confession imprisons us or sets us free. A strong confession coupled with a corresponding action on the word brings God on the scene. Holding fast to one's confession when the senses contradict shows that one has become established in the word. A Satan-inspired confession is always dangerous. Remember that he brought that disease, put it upon you. Your acknowledgement of the disease is like signing for a package that the express company has left you. Satan then has the receipt for your disease. You have accepted it. Surely he hath borne our sickness and carried our diseases is God's receipt for our perfect healing. A positive confession dominates circumstances, while a vacillating confession permits circumstances to govern one. Your confession is what God says about your disease. A negative confession will make the disease stronger. Then your confession heals or keeps you sick. The confession of your lips should have your heart's full agreement.
1: You are a faith man, a faith woman. You can be bold in your Christian life through knowing you are a faith man, a faith woman. What a blessing to know for sure that no matter how you may feel, God says that faith is something you already have. It's a gift from him. Never call yourself a doubting Thomas. It was not the doubts of Thomas that honored the Lord. It was the faith of those who took him at his word that brought his commendation and divine response. If you talk of being a doubting Thomas, Then you close the door to the provisions God has for you in Christ. Romans 1.17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Galatians 3.26, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Never chide yourself that you don't have faith. That's totally unscriptural because it's by faith that you became God's child. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Romans 12.3, God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. There's no disputing this fact. God has given you the measure of faith. Notice, not just a measure, but the measure. It matters not how small your faith is. Quantity of faith is not what's important with Jesus. Jesus. He declared that faith, even as a grain of mustard seed, can move a mountain. Not only do you have the measure of faith, but you have the spirit of faith. 2 Corinthians 4.13, we then also having the same spirit of faith according as it is written. I believe, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. This spirit of faith you have is expressed by believing in your heart and speaking with your mouth. Hebrews 6.12, be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Faith is not a magic button you press to obtain what you need from God instantly. Patience is coupled with faith in inheriting the promises of God for your life. God's title for us in the Bible is believers, never doubters. It's natural for us to function in faith because that's the nature of our lives. Faith people. In fact, God says his household is one of faith. Galatians 6.10, as we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Confess these words boldly. I am a faith man, a faith woman. Faith is something that I have. God has given me the measure of faith, the spirit of faith, the word of faith is nigh me, even in my mouth and in my heart. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Have your own faith life. Say it. I'm not a spiritual hitchhiker, one who depends on others' faith in times of need. I have my own faith life, just as I have my own shoes. When a crisis comes, I don't need to seek for someone else to pray the prayer of faith for me. I do my own praying. If sickness strikes, I'm ready to be used of God to minister healing in Jesus' name. Romans twelve three. God hath given to every man the measure of faith. I declare this fact. God has given me the measure of faith. God does not classify me as a doubter, an unbeliever. I am a member of the household of faith. I am a faith man, a faith woman. I say it often, faith is something that I have. For God has given to every Christian the measure of faith. Matthew 7, 7. Jesus said, everyone that asketh, receiveth. Jesus clearly taught that everyone should do his own asking, Everyone should do his own receiving. Acts 10.34, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. There are no pets of divinity. God is no respecter of persons. The Father has no favorites. There are no lucky people with the Lord. I'm just as dear to the Father as any evangelist, pastor, missionary, teacher. I have just as much righteousness as any other Christian has, for my righteousness is based on what Jesus has done in my stead." Romans twelve twelve continuing instant in prayer. As a result of having my own faith life, I know that I have instant access to God. I don't have to look here or there for someone to pray. I'm bold in doing my own praying. Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. I have the right to pray in the name of Jesus to my Father, just as much right as anyone else. I'm taking my place in the believer's authority. I have ceased being a spiritual hitchhiker. I can contact the Father in the name of Jesus as well as anyone can. The Father loves me as much as any of his children. I am bold in my faith. I pray and expect mighty answers. I tell others that I am praying for them. Courageously, I am God's channel of blessing to minister healing and help to those in need. I fearlessly cast out demons in Jesus' name. I dare to speak the word confidently against all sorts of oppression. I possess faith in the life-giving word on my lips. I have faith in my own faith. It's the faith of God. I have faith in my God. Jeremiah 20, verse 9. His word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. I have experienced what Jeremiah did. His word in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. His words are fire words. The disciples on the Emmaus Road had an encounter with Jesus Christ, after which he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Their reaction, and they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? Jesus' words yet produced that heavenly heart burn. His words are fire words. For the master said, It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The words of Jesus are indeed spirit and they are life. His words are fire words. When I confess his word, it produces a fire in my heart. Fire is cleansing. Psalm 119, 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? by taking heed thereto according to thy word. And again, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. His words cleanse my spirit. His words are fire words. My prayer in relation to the word, open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. When the Holy Spirit opens a word to my spirit, that word creates a fire within my bosom. Indeed, his words are fire words. Acts 19.20, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. The word has prevailing power. Power to save, power to heal, power to quicken, power to create, power to subdue all foes. Yes, praise God, his words are fire words.
0: Our faith is measured by our confession. Our usefulness in the Lord's work is measured by our confession. Sooner or later, we become what we confess. There is the confession of our hearts and the confession of our lips. When a confession of our lips perfectly harmonizes with a confession of our hearts, and these two confessions confirm God's word, then we become mighty in our prayer life. Many people have a negative confession. They're always telling what they are not telling of their weakness, of their failings, of their lack of money, of their lack of ability, of their lack of health. Invariably, they go to the level of their confession. A spiritual law that few of us have recognized is that our confessions rule us. When we confess His Lordship and our hearts fully agree, then we turn our lives over into His care. That is the end of worry, the end of fear, the beginning of faith. When we believe that he arose from the dead for us and that by his resurrection he conquered the adversary and put him to naught for us, when this becomes the confession of our lips and our hearts, we become a power for God. If we have accepted him as our Savior and confessed him as our Lord, we are new creations. We have eternal life. We have the position of sons. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. The moment that we recognize the fact of his actual resurrection, then we know that the sin problem is settled. We know that Satan has been eternally defeated for us. We know that we are in union with deity. We know that we have come into the family of God. We know that the ability of God has become ours. This may not dawn on us all at once, but as we study the word and act upon it, live in it and let it live in us, it becomes slowly perhaps but surely a living reality. That reality is developed through our confession. We confess his lordship, and we declare before the world that he is our shepherd, and that we do not want. We confess that he makes us to lie down in green pastures, and that he leads us beside the waters of stillness. We confess that he has restored our souls to a sweet, wonderful fellowship with him. We confess that he has made us new creations, that old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new, and that we have become the righteousness of God in Christ. We confess fearlessly before the world our utter oneness and union with Him. We declare that He is the vine, and we are the branches, that the branches and the vine are one. We declare that we are partakers of the divine nature that dwelt in Him as He walked in Galilee. These are our confessions. We have come to know that Satan is defeated, that demons are subject to the name of Jesus in our lips, that disease cannot exist in the presence of the living Christ in us. Now we dare act on what we know the word teaches. We dare to take our place and confess before the world that what the word says about us is true. We're done with the confession of failure, of weakness, of inability, because God has become our ability. God has become our sufficiency, and he has made us sufficient as ministers of a new covenant. We confess that he has taken us out of the old realm where failure reigned into the new realm of victory, joy, and peace. As we make our confession and act on the word, our faith grows and our redemption becomes a reality. Jesus said, For I spake not from myself, But the Father that sent me, he hath given me a commandment, what I should speak. John 12, 49. Every healing that Jesus performed was wrought through his Father's word. Every word that he spoke was the Father's word. Jesus knew who he was. He knew his place. He knew his work. He was always positive in his message. He knew the words that he spoke were his Father's words. He took his place as a son. He acted his part he continually confessed his sonship. Jesus always confessed what he was. He said, I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the water of life. God is my father. I am the light of the world. In John 5, 19 through 30, Jesus makes 10 statements about himself. They're really confessions, and every one of them links him up with deity. He was speaking his father's own word. John 7:29. I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. He not only confessed what he was, but he also fearlessly confessed what man could be after he became a new creation. John fifteen five, I am the vine, ye are the branches. John seven thirty eight and 39, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, from within him shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. What a confession that was, and how real it became on the day of Pentecost. John 8:54, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father that glorifieth me, of whom you say that he is your God, and ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be likened to you, a liar. But I know him, and keep his word. John 17.5, And now, Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. That was a remarkable testimony. John 17.26, And I made known unto them thy name, and will make it known. Jesus knew the name that God was to receive. John 17.6, I manifested thy name unto the men whom thou gavest me out of the world. I have a conviction that the new name which Jesus speaks of here is Father. No one had ever called him Father before. John 9:35 and 36, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And finding him, he said, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, And who is he, Lord, that I may believe on him? Jesus then confessed who he really was. In the 37th verse, Jesus said to the man who had been blind, Thou hast both seen him, and he it is that speaketh with thee. Jesus openly declared that he was the Son of God. In John 4.26, we have another startling confession. He was talking with the woman of Samaria, and he confessed that he was the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus knew who he was. Nearly every miracle that Jesus performed was performed with Father's words in Jesus' lips. Jesus was the revealed will of the Father. John 4:34 My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to accomplish his work. John 5:30 I seek not mine own will but the will of him that sent me. John 6:38 I am come down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. John 8:29 for I do always the things that are pleasing to him. What a picture of the master He had no personal ambitions, no personal ends to achieve. He was simply doing the will of his Father, unveiling the Father until he could say, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. John 14:9. The less worldly ambitions we have, the less worldly desires, the more fully the Father will unveil himself to us. His words in our lips will perform the same acts that his words performed in Jesus' lips. Self-seeking limits one. The selfish man is a limited man. He who lives in the word and lets the word live in him, he who practices the word and acts upon it, is the one who reveals the Father. When we act upon the word, we unveil the Father. Let's review some facts. Few of us realize that our confession imprisons us. The right kind of confession will set us free. It's not only our thinking, it's our words, our conversation that builds power or weakness into us. Our words are the coins in the kingdom of faith. Our words snare us and hold us in captivity, or they set us free and become powerful in the lives of others. It is what we confess with our lips that really dominates our inner being. We unconsciously confess what we believe. If we talk sickness, it's because we believe in sickness. If we talk weakness and failure, It's because we believe in weakness and failure. It's surprising what faith people have in wrong things. They firmly believe in cancer, ulcers of the stomach, tuberculosis, and other incurable diseases. Their faith in that disease rises to the point where it utterly dominates them, rules them. They become its absolute slaves. They get the habit of confessing their weakness, and their confession adds to the strength of their weakness. They confess their lack of faith, and they're filled with doubts. They confess their fear, and they become more fearful. They confess their fear of disease, and the disease grows under the confession. They confess their lack, and they build up a sense of lack, which gains the supremacy in their lives. When we realize that we'll never rise above our confession, we're getting to the place where God can really begin to use us. Confess that by his stripes you are healed. Hold fast to your confession, and no disease can stand before you. Whether we realize it or not, we're sowing words just as Jesus said in Luke 8, 11. The seed is the word of God. The sower went forth to sow, and the seed he was sowing was the word of God. That's the seed we should sow. Others are sowing sense knowledge seeds of fear and doubt. It's when we confess the word of God, declare with emphasis that by his stripes I am healed, or my God supplies every need of mine and hold fast to our confession that we see our deliverance. Our words beget faith or doubt in others. Revelation 12:11 declares, And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb, and because of the word of their testimony. They overcame him with the word of God that was in their testimony. They conquered the devil with words. Most of the sick that Jesus healed during his ministry were healed with words. God created the universe with words, faith-filled words. Jesus said, thy faith has made thee whole. He said to dead Lazarus, come forth. His words raised the dead. Satan is overcome by words. He is whipped by words. Our lips become the means of transportation of God's deliverance from heaven to man's need here on earth. We use God's word. We whisper, in Jesus' name, demon, come out of him. Jesus said, in my name you shall cast out demons, in my name you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, all with words. It is the word that heals. Jesus said, whatsoever you demand in my name, that will I do. In the Greek, the word ask is demand. We are demanding just as Peter did at the beautiful gate when he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Words healed that man. Now we make our confession of words. We hold fast to our confession. We refuse to be defeated in our confession. John 8:32 and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Or John 8:36 If therefore the Son shall make you free ye shall be free indeed. We know that the Son has set us free and we confess it. Jesus is the high priest of our confession. Christ conquered the enemies of humanity. Satan sin, sickness, fear, death, and want. He made them captives, and he set us free. Hebrews 4.14 tells us to hold fast to the confession of our faith. Having then a great high priest who hath passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. That confession is faith speaking. It is our victory over the enemy. It is our confidence. Colossians 2.5 in one of our translations reads, For although, as you say, I am absent from you in body, yet in spirit am I present with you and am delighted to witness your good discipline and the solid front presented by your faith in Christ. That solid front means continual confession of victory. We never confess anything but victory. Romans 8.37, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Jesus disarmed the principalities and powers which fought against him and put them to an open shame. This is Colossians 2.15 from Coney Bear's translation. We should stop making the wrong kind of confession and begin at once to learn how to confess and what to confess. We should begin to confess that we are what he says we are and hold fast to that confession in the face of every contrary evidence. We refuse to be weak or acknowledge a weakness. We refuse to have anything to do with wrong confession. We are what he says we are. We hold fast to that confession with a fearless consciousness that God's Word can never fail.
1: I am sick and tired of being sick and tired is my confession and should be the confession of every person Suffering with infirmity, disease, sickness, illness. In Luke 13:16, we read this account in the words of Jesus. He said, "Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? My attitude towards sickness and disease is this: I rebel in Jesus' name against the bonds of the devil. The Bible doesn't call my sickness a blessing. The Bible calls my sickness a bond, a bondage of the devil. And from every bond, I ought to be loose, said Jesus. I am sick and tired of being sick and tired because I have every right to be healed. It costs my Lord dearly to take upon himself my infirmities and sicknesses. I rebelled against sickness with these words Get thee behind me, devil, for thus it is written, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. I have every right to be healed because of the substitutionary sacrifice of Christ himself. The only reason worthy of basing my faith for healing is what Jesus has provided for me. His blood alone qualifies me for healing. My right to receive from God is based on the blood. I rebel against Satan's trespassing of God's property By this declaration, Satan, get thee hence, for thus it is written, I was made nigh to God by the blood of Christ. I rebel against this rebel, the devil, because I have a right to be healed, because of how his word reveals my rights. It's not based on how good or sincere I've been, but because of those bleeding stripes. I rebel by speaking these words. Devil, be thou gone, for thus it is written, With his stripes we are healed. I am not ignorant of Satan's devices, and I have learned by the Holy Spirit to discern his work of oppression against me. I am sick and tired of being sick and tired, so I overcome his works by the blood of Jesus and the word in my testimony. I rebel against this thief by these words, Devil, I resist you in Jesus' name, for I am depending entirely on the merits of Jesus Christ, by whose stripes I am healed. I shall stand my ground fearlessly in receiving my healing in the name of Jesus. Never again will I be the devil's dumping ground for his foul spirits of oppression. I rebel by this statement of authority. Devil, the blood of Jesus defeats you, and I resist you because it is written, the anointing shall destroy the yoke. Isaiah 53, 5, With his stripes we are healed. This prophecy given to Isaiah was concerning our Lord Jesus Christ and the bleeding wounds he was to endure to provide for his people. It's a finished work. Jesus has endured the striping. No matter what symptoms are present, by his stripes I'm healed. I confess this fact in the presence of symptoms that would contradict, but 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. Regardless of others' opinions about my health, by his stripes I am healed. Others may think I look badly. They may pass their opinion about my state of health. But the truth prevails. By his stripes I am healed. In spite of past experiences, by his stripes I am now healed. I may have sought for healing before that was not manifested, but this is a new day for me. By his stripes I am healed. When pain strikes my body. By his stripes, I'm healed. It may be true that pain is there in my body, but I know greater truth. By his stripes, I am healed. When things appear all wrong in health condition, his truth still prevails that by his stripes, I am healed. When things appear all right and my health examinations are solid, it's because by his stripes, I am healed. Wherever I am, regardless how I feel, I hold fast my joyful confession of his truth. By his stripes I am healed. 1 Peter 2.24, Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Joel 3.10, Let the weak say, I am strong. That's my confession. I am strong. This is the paradox of faith, to say, I am strong when I'm weak. This is faith's confession, I am strong. No matter what I think of myself, I am strong. Regardless of others' opinions about my life, I am strong. When I feel the weakest, I am strong. In spite of past experiences of succumbing to weakness, I rise up with a new testimony of faith, I am strong. It's not just when I feel strong that I say I'm strong, but it's when I even feel weak that I declare I'm strong. God commands me to say, I am strong. So I say what God says about my life. This is the language of faith. This is the language of victory. Who am I? I'm strong. Whatever else I may be, I am strong. Wherever I am, I am strong. What I confess, I possess. What I say is what I get. I confess I am strong and I possess strength. Why can I be so sure? Not only in Joel 3.10, but in countless other scriptures. God declares that he is my strength, so I gladly obey his command and say it. I am strong. Never do I say I am weak. This would be disobedience to my God. It would grieve the Holy Spirit. So listen again to Joel 3.10. Let the weak say, I am strong. What are you fearing? Are you afraid of an untimely death? Are you afraid of a heart attack? Is your fear of cancer? Do you have a fear of some calamity? Do you fear the loss of the affection of your loved ones? Do you have a dreaded fear of flying in an airplane? Is the fear of man prevalent in your life? If there is any fear in your heart, I must be freed from it. You must be freed from it. Fear is an actual spirit that moves from without to take up occupancy within your life. Satan takes advantage of your giving place to fear and sees that the thing which you fear is reproduced in your life. Job 325, for the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me and that which I was afraid of has come unto me. When Job made this confession, he was on the ash heap of great suffering with boils from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. He had lost his family, his earthly possessions. Job evidently had entertained this fear for a long time by his admission that the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. What am I fearing? I must expel every spirit of fear from my life or else that negative tormenting fear can reproduce into my life the very thing which I fear. The Bible description of fear is not pleasant. It describes fear as tormenting, soul-snaring, the spirit of bondage, and able to reproduce itself in misery. Luke 1, tells of a purpose of Christ coming to this world. We being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear all the days of our life. That means every day we ought to be free from fear. In the Bible, there's a verse against fear for every day of the year. And now, in the name of Jesus, we take bold action by speaking these words against fear. You satanic spirit of fear that is oppressed and vexed, I command you in Jesus' name to depart from this life, because it is written, God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. My never-again list. Never again will I confess I can't, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Never again will I confess lack, for my God shall supply all my need, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Never again will I confess fear, for God hath not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Never again will I confess doubt and lack of faith, For God hath given to every man the measure of faith. Never again will I confess weakness, for the Lord is the strength of my life, and the people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Never again will I confess supremacy of Satan over my life, for greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Never again will I confess defeat, for God always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. Never again will I confess lack of wisdom, for Christ Jesus is made unto me wisdom from God. Never again will I confess the domination of sickness, for with his stripes I am healed, and Jesus himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses. Never again will I confess worries and frustrations, for I am casting all my cares upon him who careth for me. In Christ I am carefree." Never again will I confess bondage, for where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Never again will I confess condemnation, for there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. I am in Christ, therefore I am free from condemnation. Never again will I confess loneliness, for Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world and I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Never again will I confess curses or bad luck, for Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Never again will I confess discontent, because I have learned whatsoever circumstance I am therewith to be content, Never again will I confess unworthiness, because He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Never again will I confess confusion, because God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Never again will I confess persecution. For if God be for us, who can be against us? Never again will I confess the dominion of sin over my life, because the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. And as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Never again will I confess insecurity, because when thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. For the Lord shall be thy confidence, and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Never again will I confess failure, because, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Never again will I confess frustration, for thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Never again will I confess fear of the future, but as it is written, I hath not seen." nor ear heard, neither hath entered the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit.